Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. This is the World Travel Dad Show. I'm your host, James Olson, a.k.a. the World Travel Dad. So happy to have you here with me today. We're doing another nostalgic flashback episode. This one's going to be fun. I'm going to go back over the London episode. I'm going to talk about some things that I missed. I re-listened to the original London episode. I think I can add some things. If you're heading to London this summer and you're going to have your kids with you, uh, I think I can really be a resource and help you out on this one a little bit. And then naturally, um, I'll also go back over Normandy. It only makes sense because that's right across the English Channel. However, the last uh, throwback episode, we talked already about the Normandy beaches. So today I want to talk about something a little bit different. I'm going to talk about Mont Saint-Michel, why you should go there, how you should approach that trip, and just give you my thoughts on that world-class destination. I appeared on a podcast uh, where we discussed Mont Saint-Michel along with other parts of France. I'm going to link to that podcast in the show notes. It's called Join Us in France with Annie Sargent. So I hope that you'll take a listen to her podcast as well. She is an OG podcaster. She's a French person that uh, lived in the United States, speaks perfect English, and understands both cultures very well. So it's, it's kind of something I think my listeners would enjoy as well. Without further ado, let's get started, and thanks for joining me today. I'm really high high energy today. I love talking about London. That is such an amazing city. Whether it's your first time or your you know tenth time, it's still a magnificent city. It always puts you in a different mood from where you came from. It's a completely overwhelmingly historical city with terrific architecture. Victorian era architecture, that's something I truly enjoy. And they have it in complete abundance. It's it's one of these cities that's very overwhelming though. And I urge you not to get too overwhelmed while you're planning. There's so much to tackle depending on your itinerary. It, it it might be something that um, becomes stressful. You know, what what do you see? What do you leave out? And then you throw young children, you layer that on top, and that can be really difficult. That's something that I continually stress and talk about. Um, a trip with your younger children is going to be completely different than a trip with just your spouse. You're going to have less time during the day to do what you think uh, you can do stringing together three sites that are all across different parts of town. That's just not going to cut it. The kids are going to get tired. And on our trip to London, the kids are going to get hot because we're in the middle of a heat wave. But generally, summertime in London should be a very pleasant and enjoyable experience. I'm going to focus in on 
just the standard sort of one-week itinerary that can be pulled off. So the first thing to focus on is where are you going to stay? Now, if you stay in, in, the, in the center of town, so to speak, in like, uh, you know, a Notting Hill, uh, in a Mayfair, in a, you know, a Marble Arch, Victoria, these are kind of the, the name brand towns, the South Kensingtons of the world. These are name brand towns you're going to pay a lot for a, a smaller hotel. So you're going to have to cram in. I'll, I'll bet you you're going to pay $300 a night for a decent hotel. I don't really advise uh, staying at these like larger hotel inns. Um, I forget some of the names of them, but they're kind of the name brands. Like Clarion, I think, is one of them. And they're just these kind of boring structures, no real sort of character. I would I would stay away from those. You might you might get a better deal there. You might only pay two hundred dollars a night. But what you really should be doing is deciding, you know, how much do I have to spend um, per night? What's my budget? And then what's the most characteristic place I can stay? Because London's all about the the atmosphere. It's it's all about the ambiance of of your stay. I mean, you're you're walking in the footsteps of some of the greats, the Charles Dickens of the world. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, these are these stories we all grew up with, and you're going to be walking these streets, so you want to get something really characteristic, and if you're going to stay central, you're going to have to pay for it, but there are a lot of these inns, these kind of bed and breakfast style, that's a very English thing, it's going to be a very, very tight living space, but bear in mind that a proper London vacation will not be spent in your room. You're not going to spend very much time there. Uh, so I'll tell you what we did. Um, because I had studied abroad multiple times in London, I've lived there for a year, I I sort of knew the, the city a little bit better. I knew that we could stay slightly outside of the center in um, in, in Zone 3, which is a slightly more expensive tube ride if you go take the tube, but... I knew that we could get a very comfortable place. And so what we, we did, we got a two-bedroom apartment with a full kitchen. Because for our for our travel, um, breakfast is very important. And so we were able to cook our breakfast. We went to Sainsbury's. Kids love grocery stores. And we just wanted that as like kind of a home base. And to, to get started on the right foot, you cook a good, solid breakfast. And so that's what we did every morning. And then you, you build your plan uh, and what you're going to do that day, you know, presumably you, you already have your, your theater ticket worked out. Uh, we, we saw Madeline. Um, sorry, not Madeline. I always do that. Matilda. We saw Matilda down at the Cambridge Theater. Um, that, you know, we kind of we splurged a little bit. We didn't get, like, the, the nosebleed seats. And we, we went to halfpricetickets.com. Uh, that's, a, that's a place you can check out. But you're going to have to... You check it multiple times because some of the deals are flashed up at the last minute. Sometimes they have different promotions going on. They they had a, a kids week promotion where some of these lesser known shows were very affordable. But we wanted the big ticket item. You know, if if nothing if none of the big ticket ones, if you've seen them all or something, then maybe dig into one of these other lesser known shows and you get a really affordable experience. 
I talked about this in the first London episode, but if you're going to stay outside of the center, uh, you sh- it, it's advisable to, on, on the first day, get an Oyster card. It's going to cost you five pounds. And you only need one for the adults. And you just go to any of the kiosks or the, the, um, the automated machines in the tube centers, and it'll ask if you want to purchase one. 20 years ago, you couldn't purchase them from this. You had to go to, to an agent. You had to get your photo taken. It was a real pain. And it took, took a week to get one of these. Now you can just get them the first day. And once you have that, then you can add money to it through one of the automated kiosks. And so when you're hopping on the buses, that's what you, that's what you use on the machines um, each time. And I want to say the kids were free. I don't recall we had to swipe it twice for a kid or something, but don't quote me on that. But either way, it, only only the two, only my wife and I had the Oyster card. Now, good luck uh, on your first day kind of figuring out the bus schedule um, and, and where these buses go. It's it's confusing, but they're, you know, they're posted. So if you have a bus stop near where you're staying, first thing to do is find out what, where that bus goes. That's going to be your most convenient bus. That's going to be the one that you can take directly home, right, to a stop near you. You know, we had the 94. That thing went all the way across town. It, it was great. And then there's, you know, the 135 is a good one. That that gets down to, like, Trafalgar Square area. And we we really enjoyed um, learning the buses. It, it, it allows you to really just tackle more of the town. So with kids, uh, you you want to do some museums. Absolutely, the, these museums are, are free entry. You know, you give a little donation, but they're they're all free. Uh, British Museum's a huge one. We we didn't really like it as much as some of the other ones, but the British Museum's a big ticket item. I would hit that kind of have that focused in in your itinerary, and maybe you could do one other one in a day. It was very hot for us, so we just kind of did the British Museum, and and that was it. And then took the rest of the afternoon to kind of just walk around to see the city. I mean, that you know, that's always been fun. Just kind of walking, seeing where it leads you. Uh, I I had a, a book in our Airbnb. I don't know if I mentioned this on the first episode, but it was uh, a Victorian architecture book where it took, takes you on different walks. And this these were free. You know, you, this is, you can do stuff that's free. And I've never done something like this. I mean, I'm, I'm over 40 now, so I kind of appreciate kind of the finer things, I guess, now. But I had never kind of indulged in one of these, you know, walks where it explains the history behind these houses and, you know, talked about Queen Victoria, you know, how this kind of architecture came about. And I took several of these walks, and one of them was down in South Kensington. And I did this while we were on our way, uh, really our first day in town. And we went to the Natural History Museum, and that is that was a, a home run for for my son especially. He's a, a rock collector, and we knew about something called the Cullinan Diamond. It's the largest single diamond ever found. This is a South African mine in the early 20th century. It's now been split into 20 or sorry nine pieces. One of them is in the the Crown of England and in the Queen's Scepter there's another one and then the other seven pieces are sitting in this museum and we uh, kind of stumbled upon it really we didn't think much about it I I 
hadn't made it a hu- huge deal about it, but it was it was fun to see. And that was one of those that, you know, you can't really. It's kind of priceless to uh, have an experience like that with with your kids. You know, to get them interested in in some learning. Now, I did another museum called the Victoria and Albert Museum, and I was completely blown away. I've never been to this museum before this trip. It just it was a, a kind of I was a college student before. It's kind of off the off the path a little bit. Uh, I never really between studying and drinking beer and you know chasing women around and that kind of thing I never really uh, just never factored into my plans and and so but I thought you know this is the I got to do it this trip because I've heard about it and it really blew me away Um, I just went alone because I didn't want to have any kind of time constraints with kids getting hungry needing the bathroom that type of thing and this one I highly recommend so I think this one in the British Museum you could definitely have those be your two top uh, items. Moving along, let's see the the London Bridge um, is 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 a good item. We we met our met up with our friends and did a tour of the London Bridge. I'd add that one. You know that's that's a um, that's a pretty. It's one of the more popular destinations, obviously, and. Uh, you know, along with that is a Tower Tower of London experience. That that's what you'll buy your your ticket for. You can take a tour of of the Tower of London. Um, this was one we didn't do the audio guide, but we got an audio guide for one of our kids, my son, to kind of keep him engaged, and and that worked. Um, and actually, now that I'm remembering, maybe maybe we got a an adult one too. We kind of passed around a little bit. Yeah, we had a we had a bunch of kids with us that day, so it was, I knew it was going to be a little, um, little different tour, just kind of people going their own directions. But I liked that one; I thought it was a, a fun tour. So definitely add that in. Again, I I rec- this is a seven day itinerary, so I recommend doing just one of these big ticket items in per day usually, and then you know you're going to spend time getting down to the event. You're going to do the tour. And you're going to want to have like a fun lunch, you know, afterward. And depending on where you are, you know, if you're in Tower of London, that's a little bit of a business districty type area. It's kind of down by St. Paul's Cathedral, which um, go ahead and check that one out. The kids may not be as interested in that. You can see that from most vantage points. You can kind of just see St. Paul's. And so that may be enough to, to say, hey, we, we saw it. Yeah, it, it's a magnificent structure. But you're going to be down in this part of town where it's not as characteristic. But we did find, um, you know, we found we found a really really good pub, really good uh, good cask ale beers. And generally, this trip London food was not very good. I mean, I just I didn't think it was very good at all. But this this pub did did fine. I mean. For me, it's really the the pubs. That's where I'm going to eat most of my meals when I'm in London. Going out to a fancy dinner, it just never worked for me. I know that they've tried to reshape their culinary scene, and I, I'm just not buying it. I mean, I've seen enough now. Uh, I'm just not into the fancy restaurants there. Indian food is good in, in London. Sometimes kind of these one-offs like... Um, Lebanese food or something like that. They you might find some good stuff there. Certainly out more in the zone two and three, you're going to get some better ethnic food. You know, the rents are a little bit lower in these buildings, and um, 
they can bring you kind of the, the solid ethnic food and not have to pay for a lot of overhead. Because the overhead's what kills you in, in the center of town. And you're going to have your neighborhood pub, and the food's going to be slightly above average if you're lucky. But the beer is always going to be pretty good. Uh, Fuller's um, Brewery, I, I went to, a, a f- I did a, my own little Fuller's tour where I went out and had a bunch of their beers because I could walk to the, the brewery down where we were in, in Chiswick Park. And that was really fun. Uh, I think, you know, British, they, they've always done, done beer really well. I mean, they, they invented these hoppy ales. Yeah, the, the India Pale Ale, of course, was designed to get around the, the Horn of Africa to get beer to, to the soldiers stationed in India and the colonists. And it had to have a lot of hops to, to maintain freshness. And so that's, that's where the high hop beer comes from. The London Eye, we did that this time. That was, uh, you know, all the stuff. Try to buy your tickets in advance, especially the London Eye. The, the line's going to be kind of long. And we saw people trying to walk up and get in line that very day. I, I don't recommend that. But buy your tickets in advance. If you have a fear of heights, um, it might not be for you. The, the thing, when you get to the top, it's extremely high up there. I couldn't believe it. Madame Tussauds... Uh, wax museum that was really solid i mean it's always pretty solid i that's one i wouldn't uh i wouldn't do a wax museum in really any other city but madame tussauds does a great job there are two large parks of course there's regent's park and then there's hyde park hyde park is gigantic if if it's not too hot you should take a walk around in hyde park that's uh that's a big ticket item. There's there's so much space there to kind of mess around. Our our kids had a good time, just kind of running around, just you know, taking the uh, training wheels off and just letting it rip. Regents Park is a little bit more one of the. It's like nuanced. It's it's got its charms are a little bit more hidden, but it's got some nice ponds. It's got some nice garden type areas. And again, this is all weather dependent because when we were there, it was super hot and it was hard to really stay outside for a very long time. If you're up in the Regents Park area, there's a new um, uh, Sherlock Holmes Museum. Um, and I guess that could be interesting. I've never done that. I actually really enjoy Sherlock Holmes um, books, and but we didn't really have time to stop off there. But it's something that, to think about. Again, there there are dozens of big ticket items. I'm I'm hardly scratching the surface. That's what's great about London. Don't feel overwhelmed. That you have to do everything on your first trip. It's fairly easy to get back there from the states. That's another good thing. You know, it's it's kind of place. I don't see a problem with taking the kids there on like a spring break or something. I mean, the the amount of history you can get done, the amount of um, learning that you can do with with young kids while also having a good time, it's it's unbeatable and you know, it's seven and a half hour flight from, from central United States. That's not bad. Um, one honorable mention for us was uh, Kew Gardens. We we did that this time. We had a kind of a free day on our itinerary. We thought, what the heck? You know, we were kind of close to it on the on the uh, district line of the tube. And you go out to this uh, neighborhood out in, in the suburbs, and it's... Um, it's a really nice kind of cute neighborhood. We had tea there after we got done. 
we ended up spending about four hours at Kew Gardens, and I went there thinking, we're going to blow this place in 45 minutes. There's no way we're spending o- over an hour here. We spent four hours, so... And this and this was a hot day too, so I can't. I mean, this place is gonna be a bonanza if you get good weather. You know, that could be great. You spend several hours there. If you have any specific questions about the city of London and taking your kids on a trip there, please uh, you can email me directly in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful trip there to London this summer. I hope you have terrific weather. You probably will. And just find your own London. I mean, you there. You can find your own little slice of uh, of what you're looking for in this magnificent city. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how versatile the wise card has been for my travels. From paying for my kids' school tuition in Ubud to wiring the tour company payment for our snorkeling trip, the wise card has been there for me. Let me explain how it works. From the States or anywhere, you purchase foreign currency and keep it in your wise account. It becomes your de facto foreign bank account. You purchase at the current exchange rate. If you think the dollar is at its peak in value, purchase a foreign currency, pay a very minimal fee, and voila, you have your short dollar position. Congratulations, you're now a foreign currency trader, and you didn't have to open a bank account in Montenegro. And fellas, your wife wants to go to Italy. She's sick of the bowling alley as your idea of entertainment. Why not start by opening your WISE account today? If you use the link in the show notes, capitalize with at least $300 US, World Travel Dad gets a minuscule kickback that I promise to use on cheap beer. Take your wife to Italy. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. Okay, I'm back in Normandy. This is a terrific area. If you're if you're going to link it together with a trip to London, you just you, you go across the, the channel into Paris, then you can head out to the Normandy countryside in, in a couple hours. So it makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to specifically focus in on Mont Saint-Michel. Uh, I, w- I appeared on a podcast with Annie Sargent called Join Us in France. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But we got into a discussion about Mont Saint-Michel and... She was saying, and I agree because I've listened to her podcast, it's, it's one of the biggest draws to, Lund- or to France, and it's the thing that continually comes up over and over again. Never heard a bad thing said about it. The, the worst thing you can say about it is it gets very crowded between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They, um, they regu- they, they're trying to regulate the amount of visitors that come in, but I don't know if they've gotten taken steps forward, so it gets really overrun. And if, you, if you've seen pictures of this thing, like I had before going there, it doesn't really do it justice. You, you don't really understand what you're looking at. So the first thing to realize is that you can go walk around in the 
the city, the the walled city called uh, Mont Saint Michel. You can walk around these streets. It's it's kind of like a little town, and the uh, the monks live there within the walls. You know, a few other people live there. I think I don't know the total population. It's not high at all. It's under a hundred, I would imagine. But it's an actual city, and that's one thing I don't think I understood because I I don't think that it's very well explained to Americans. If you read some of these articles, it just, they take pictures from a distance, but you don't realize it's a characteristic kind of walled town. So if you want to enjoy the town itself, you need to plan around these, these uh, high traffic times. I can tell you kind of what we did and talk about how how we did that. We were staying in Swiss Normandy, so it was about an hour and a half drive, and it it was it was not something we wanted to try to do like a day trip or anything. I mean, you certainly could, but for me, it's you know, staying overnight is the is the key to this experience, and so you got to splurge for a hotel. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you do the day trip, there's an outer there's an outer parking lot. Um, I don't think you can park past the gate if you're not staying overnight, um, I believe. so. Um, but if maybe you can. I mean, I, I would pay the 10 euros to go park for a day trip. But if you have to park in the outer lot, uh, no biggie. I think they have a, a shuttle bus that takes you in, and it's not that big of a deal. It's really kind of a short distance. It's not some massive thing. You know, you know we wait in an hour or something like that. So what we did though, we we splurged. We thought we're gonna drive all the way down there. Let's go. Let's get a hotel room. These are these hotels are not um, the most amazing hotels. They're they're a little quirky. You know, they're kind of just your ba- standard basic rooms. We paid about two hundred USD, two hundred dollars for one night at the Hotel Gabriel. There's the there's a Mercure Hotel and the Hotel Gabriel right there. Those are kind of your mid-range options i don't think they're really i don't think there's a budget option there so this is kind of your cheapest option you're gonna pay four hundred dollars or more to stay at at one of these uh, hotels in the walled city i have heard about people staying there and it sounds fairly magical but you don't to get the full experience you don't have to to blow the bank and and stay at one of these high-end hotels uh, you, you just, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to go that hardcore, especially with kids. I mean, they're not going to appreciate the magic of staying up there. You, you're going to want them to appreciate it, but they just probably won't. So Hotel Gabriel is the way to do it. We got there kind of midday and right in the, the Mont Zombie rush where everybody's trying to hit the place. And so we said, you know, we're staying away the first day and you're, inclination will be you know we're here let's go see it i want to like attack this thing but do not do it not between 11 and 4 and so we we uh just kind of hung out in our room a little bit it's kind of a basic room and uh had a beer uh read a book let the kids kind of jump on the ipads a little bit it had been kind of a long drive on the way into town we stopped at a, a cider um a little farm and you know, got a got a uh, a bottle of Calvados, this strong kind of fermented cider stuff, 
And that's, you got to stop and smell the roses every now and then. We kind of just pulled off on the side of the road. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with doing that. Um, the, the lady was kind of out doing some work with one of the tanks and she happily came over and let us taste some ciders. I mean, that's what they're doing for a living. They, they want you to stop there. And, and it's a, you know, it's a beautiful drive. I mean, most of France, you know, it's got this pastoral kind of beauty to it. And, uh, we had the windows down, kids were having fun. And so you get to, you get to your parking. It wasn't too hard to figure out. We had to buzz the, buzz the front desk lady, but she spoke English, told us to come in. We paid 10, 10 euros to park overnight as part of our hotel, uh, stay. And, um, So once we knew that the crowds had kind of died down, then we kind of walked out. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of information about the uh, the alluvial kind of flows of of this waterway. Um, there's these silt deposits, and the um, the the water was threatening to uh, it was about to dry up, I, I believe. And so they had to do a massive project to to redig this trench so the water could recede with the ocean tides daily and not either threaten the mont or threaten the surrounding uh, wilderness. This um, area is um, it's beautiful and it's kind of natural. There's a lot of birds. There's some wetlands. And you actually can spend quite a bit of time just walking around the area. Um, we went down in onto the banks where there's this kind of like clay type mud. And that was really fun for the kids. So if you have young kids, just go explore this first day. Again, don't, you don't need to feel pressure at four o'clock to go rush in the Mont. Um, no need. So we, we said, look, we're going to explore this area, have a good afternoon. We have a dinner and then we're going to go hit the Mont at night. And that's when things got interesting. So we did, we had a good dinner right across the street, kind of a touristy place, uh, had some mussels, uh, had some wine. It was not a ripoff. I, I mean, it wasn't cheap or anything, but you, I got the sense that we were not, we were, we were not getting ripped off. They was giving you like the price of the food. You know, sometimes you know, in the States, you go to some of these places and you just, you just get gouged and you just put up with it. And that was not the case at this restaurant. So I don't remember the name of it. There are a couple restaurants there. Your hotel can help you find kind of the budget friendly, uh, any, anywhere down near these hotel Gabriel. Um, these are not very expensive restaurants, but one of them I think only opens up at seven thirty, and we needed something a little earlier cause we wanted to be heading up there around seven thirty. And so we decided to walk across the bridge after dinner and get some pictures and got some really nice pictures it's you can you can definitely walk from the hotel up to the mont no problem there they do have frequent buses that are free little little shuttles but you can do the walk and then you just walk right in there's no you're not paying an admission and we got there like 7 seven thirty, and um place is completely dying down and this is when the magic kind of happens there so this is why it was worth the two hundred dollars to stay overnight uh, we got to see the sunset we went and sat up on one of the inner walls 
and just hung out. Um, there's just a few people just watching the sunset and we got those pictures. So we'll always have that memory. And then it was getting dark, but we, we said, you know, we're up here. Let's just keep walking around the streets. Let's see, uh, what, you know, what, what's going on. And we walked up to the abbey itself. You know, there's a church inside of the walls and they were doing a, the nocturne abbey nocturne, which is where they light the place up and do like a tour. It's a little bit more expensive of a ticket to tour the the Abbey at that hour, but of course we were, yeah, we're not going to pass that up. You know, there's sometimes in life you just got to just gotta pay the price. It wasn't that much more, and that was pretty spectacular. I think they only do that on, like, Friday and Saturday nights. So if you want to do the Abbey Nocturne experience, check into that. Make sure if you're going to do the evening visit like we did, we got totally lucky, but maybe see when they're doing the Abbey Nocturne. And then we came back down um, when it was completely dark and it was getting really late and we missed the last, no, we didn't miss the last bus, but we, one of the buses was way too crowded and we would have had to kind of run to, to get on board and we realized how short of a walk it was back to the hotel. And so we just walked it back at night. We have some good pictures there. It's uh it was a fun experience. We just told the kids, relax. You know, they get kind of uptight if, if we're out too late because they're kind of sheltered. And we just laughed it off, had a had a blast. And then the next morning, um, you know, I had brought my jogging shoes. That's something that I, I was a, that I wanted to try to do is a jog over to the Monsami Show. And that was that was a magical experience too. It was awesome. You know, you, I got out there. There was some. Uh, kind of fog kind of enveloping the the lower part of the the mont and very few people at 7:30 were out there I just kind of ran up walked in the gates a little bit took a look around and that was kind of my little gift gift to myself if you will um went back uh got everyone up we went to breakfast at the hotel gabriel which was fantastic fantastic breakfast included in your nightly stay so you know overall not a terrible not a terrible value from from hotel gabriel and i think the hotel mercure that's the one annie Sargent she recommends on her show they're kind of sim- very similar uh but she hadn't ever stayed at the gabriel and um and i said it was great you know it was fine and the breakfast was terrific and then we walked up went up to the mont um took the bus up it was around 9 30 and you know you got to watch your checkout time you know the hotel makes you check out a certain time uh, because they have new guests coming in so it's probably advisable to get packed up and get everything in your car and then you could stay at the mont longer but we had not really planned that far in advance so we didn't have a ton of time during the day but remember by 11 the place is overrun you don't even want to be there at 11 and so what we did is we walked up and we had been told time and time again, don't stop. Don't even like look at the shopkeepers. You're just going to get taken for a ride. And I saw this cute little corner re- like bar restaurant kind of cut out of stone, just kind of sitting back there. And and I said, you know, to hell with that. I, I'm going in this place because this looks amazing. And so my daughter and I sat and had some crepes there. And that was a an experience that, I'll never forget. And it wasn't overrun and it was 
like three euros for a crepe and big deal. It didn't get ripped off. So, you know, if you go small, you can enjoy it. You know, just, you know, maybe don't sit down for like a full meal, I guess. But, you know, um, yeah, that was great. And then by, by 11, we were out of there. We had had the nighttime, the full nighttime experience. We had had a little morning where we kind of walked around. We took some pictures on the outside of the wall. Um, walked around on the inside a bit and we got what we needed out of that place. It was completely memorable. I highly recommend Mont Saint-Michel. I don't know if I'll ever be back there, frankly. I mean, I may not. Uh, we, we headed out, um, the beautiful day and you're kind of on coastal France. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything beats coastal France. It's, it's beautiful. Um, the air is nice. It's kind of salty. And you, uh, we headed back, back to Swiss Normandy, back to the countryside where we were staying for another week or so. Um, but that was it. So thank you for indulging me in another flashback, another sentimental trip down memory lane. Uh, Mont Saint-Michel, really a, a sight for the ages. Hi, this is the World Travel Dad. I'm so happy that you listened to this podcast, and I hope you're really enjoying it. Do you remember when I used to do the headlines at the beginning of the show? Well, I turned that headlines segment into a separate show, so I removed them from the travel show. Now it's a separate show called the World Travel Headlines Show, and it would be terrific if you would check that out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this little short show, and if you could just click on that link and take a look at it even if you don't listen to it like immediately i'll understand but maybe at some point you will and even if you're a bot you know uh, all are welcome so thanks for uh checking it out mm-hmm.